0: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. And he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapino. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. What's up everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Report, your host Jake Burns, and we are going to do the 2003 redraft today, and uh, excited about it. Before we get to it, I'm going to talk to you guys quick about betonline.ag with all the sports coming back, basketball right on the, you know, around the corner, baseball is right there too, make sure you get there, again I've been preaching this during the entire quarantine period, can't keep doing it, you gotta get there and take advantage of this before it disappears when everything returns and that is the welcome bonus by using the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Get that welcome bonus. Use it. You can get in on the futures. You can get in on current stuff going on, golf, NASCAR, um, MMA, whatever you would like to get in on. You can do that, and then, like I said, the big gambling opportunities are right around the corner, and even football seems to be trending in the right direction of late so get there take advantage of the opportunity to bet on some of the things you love things you love to watch use that promo code blue wire and uh you you know take advantage of that opportunity that's betonline.ag your online wagering experts so we're looking at the 2003 draft for the browns browns made the playoffs in the 2002 season crushing loss in pittsburgh um we all remember it all too well it's the only time the browns have made the playoffs since their return and uh you know, it was a team that everybody thought was going to be building going forward and have a great chance to um, continue their success under Butch Davis, who went 7-9 his first year, 9-7, <clears throat> and seven, made the playoffs the second year. And then uh, this draft happens and they go 5-11, and 11, starts a downward spiral, right? They finally invest in a top, I guess a top 60 pick on a lineman, right? Jeff Fain is the first pick, uh, ends up playing... 125 games in his career, only the first three seasons with Cleveland. He ended up moving on to uh, to New Orleans and, and Tampa Bay, and then I think he ended his career with with Cincinnati. So just a decent center uh, who they selected 21st, and we'll talk about players they could have taken instead of him. Second round, pick 52, Sean Thompson is the selection, who uh, who's in the league seven years, only has really two years as a starter, 98 games. Pretty underwhelming career. Chris Crocker, decent career as a, uh, as, a as a as a DB, pick eighty four, uh, one hundred and fifty one games. I think Chris had only three seasons in Cleveland though before he moved on, went to Atlanta and Cincinnati. Ends up with fifteen interceptions in his career and uh, like four hundred. Let me see here, four five hundred and fifty six tackles. So a nice start, but Cleveland never signs him to a second contract. He leaves. Uh, And then the last pick we'll look at is Lee Suggs in the fourth round. Pick 115 was in the league for maybe three years, Uh, did not do a whole bunch, 269 total attempts for 1,074 yards and four touchdowns. And then the last three picks are just names you would never remember. Ryan Pointbrand uh, from Rice was a center they selected with pick 142. Pick 152, Michael Lehan. Out of Minnesota, a defensive back who played 70 games in the league, but pretty underwhelming, only one season as a starter. And Antonio Garay out of Boston College, 56 games as a defensive end. Um, Ends up with 138 tackles and not many, only nine sacks in his career, only plays one season in Cleveland, leaves the league before he comes back in 2006. So an underwhelming draft and a year that they needed to draft better. And if you look back at the 2003 draft, there are plenty of names at the top that you would know that the Browns had no chance of getting, obviously. Carson Palmer was your first pick. Then the, the run on wide receivers between Charles Rogers. Boy, a disappointing career out of Michigan State, only 36 catches for 440 yards. The next pick was Andre Johnson, who had a great career, 1,062 catches for 14K, 70 touchdowns. Um, other notables in the first round that had great, had great runs. Uh, Kevin Williams is the ninth pick. He had five all-pro seasons, the the defensive tackle for the Vikings. Uh, Terrell Suggs was the 10th pick, still in the league, right? 139 career sacks, uh, shot at the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, Speaking of the Hall of Fame, Troy Palomalo was pick 16 um, and uh, is obviously already a Hall of Famer. It's a fantastic safety near the line of scrimmage. And that's kind of it. I mean, there was some other notables, Marcus Truffaut, Byron Leftwich, which was picked seventh, underwhelming career for his draft location. Jordan Gross, the offensive tackle, I think he moved inside to guard eventually. But, yeah, then you're up at pick 21 for Cleveland, and you could go a number of different directions. Actually, the most productive running back in the class was Willis McGahee, who was a pick, couple picks later, had uh, had two Pro Bowl seasons and seven, seven uh Seven years as a starter. I mean, Larry Johnson when, out of Penn State was picked 27, who had two ridiculously good seasons. One was an all-pro, but uh, his career was very brief, high, and then, and then he fell off. But the pick I would make here would be um, Namdi Asamoah, uh, the corner out of Cal, who had two all-pro seasons and had a little stretch there where he was, he was really considered the best corner in football. Uh, very quiet guy. Uh, and like I said he fell off the cliff quick he played eight seasons though as a starter again he had three pro bowl appearances two all pro seasons had uh, had 15 interceptions and like I said for a while there in his his stint with Oakland he was considered uh, right there as the best corner in the game and if you could take a pick you know pick a player 21 who has any stretch as the best player at his position you, you you would be you know you'd benefit yourself from getting that player so I certainly think that the Browns would benefit from having selected him at 21. You could go a number of different directions. You could take Dallas Clark there, who was picked 24 to the Colts. You could take uh, Eric Steinbach, who went to Cincinnati and had a great career, and, and you know many others that I think would have been interesting at that spot, even moving up like Lance Briggs. And we got a shot at some of these guys later because between pick 21 and 52, there were not a ton of names that you really regret missing out on other than Osama. I think he was the best player available uh at that time and would have made a ton of sense for Cleveland, you know, given given what they needed, especially secondary help. Um, you know, they, they, they needed help there as much as as much as possible. Round two, they're up at pick fifty two, uh, where like I said, they picked Sean Thompson, who who played ninety eight games but out of West Texas A and M. But a very disappointing career obviously. Only played Uh, I think five seasons in Cleveland and and really only saw a couple seasons as a starter in that run, a very underwhelming pick. So at this spot, I think it would be at least beneficial to look at the offensive side of the football, a guy who's probably going to be a hall of famer. Whenever he actually decides to retire, he came in pick 69 in the third round. That would be Jason Witten, the tight end Browns need a tight end. Witten has, 1,215 catches to his to his name, by far the most in this class, Two thousand or sorry 12,977 yards, 72 touchdowns. There's 72 touchdowns trail, Anquan Bolden, who was picked 54. So you could justify going Anquan Bolden there a couple picks later, but I think that, you know, Jason Witten, you got a real shot at an all-pro tight end. You might as well, um, you know, you might as well take that player because you can't get him in the third round because he was picked ahead of, Um, Chris Crocker so we couldn't play that game so Jason Witten is the pick there and I don't think it really matters much else uh, in my opinion other than that he's he's fantastic and that's a good pick at that spot and I feel good about it so then you move on look at pick 84 now where they took Chris Crocker relatively solid defensive back never stuck around Cleveland but at this pick, I think uh, pick 84 gets a little bit interesting. In my opinion, you would go back to defense. A guy who was taken in the fourth round. Uh, pick one tw- I think pick 120 is what he ended up being. Um, trying to make sure I have the right, right pick. Because Lance Briggs would have been a great pick, but he was, a, he was pick 68. He went before. He had 944 tackles. 16 interceptions, 15 sacks, a great linebacker next to Brian Urlacher in Chicago all those years. Uh, you could you could have had Chris Tillman earlier, another great defensive back, Peanut Tillman. But I think uh, Asante Samuel, who led this class in interceptions, was 51 interceptions were nine more than Terrence Newman, the fifth pick overall. Um, and uh, a one-all pro season for Asante Samuel, four Pro Bowls, nine years as a starter, 398 solo tackles out of central florida so um you feel pretty good about that pick too right you got uh we're looking at the top of the draft we we started with uh i think a a wise pick to, to bolster our corner i think we'd be set at corner for a long time and again a reminder that we we look at these individually what the what the browns would do and you're not redrafting all the other years you're just redrafting on this year going forward leading into it the same team and then you know, going forward, you're not building on all these redrafts before, so you would come out of it with two just amazing cornerbacks and Santi Samuel and Nandi Asomwa, the first and and uh, first round and third round pick sandwiched between Jason Witten, which would be you know just phenomenal to be able to take that player there. So then that leaves us with our last pick, as we only pick the first four in these, and there are two defensive linemen who really catch my eye, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna narrow this down to one guy who I think is. Worthy pretty much above everybody else is is really there are not a bunch of offensive linemen that you would feel good about picking the last, um, you know, a significant amount of time in the league. It's just it's just a tough offensive line draft. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make I don't see an alignment, you know, when some of these other players are out there available. So what I would go with is Robert Mathis, who uh, opposite Dwight Freeney for all those years in Indianapolis, had a great career out of Alabama and was a pit, picked in the fifth round, pick 138, um, ended up with 123 career sacks, which I think only trails Terrell Suggs in this class, yeah. So Robert Mathis was a great player, would have been a nice player to line up a defensive end, and you would have solved a big part of this defense. So you get Namdi Asamoah to start at corner in the first round, pick 31, at pick fifty-two, you're able to get Jason Witten, a future you know Hall of Fame tight end, would have been a great tight end for the Browns, you know late quarterback stint between Kelly Holcomb and and Tim Couch, and then you know you could have obviously in the third round, like I mentioned, gotten Asante Samuel, who was a ball hawking corner, whose son is going to be a really good football player in the NFL too here shortly, um, nice college prospect right now, and then in the fourth round you got Robert Mathis, which is a, a preeminent defensive end who could get after the quarterback. And would have been fantastic addition to the front line. So that's a wrap on this one. You got four really good players. It's always fun to go back, look at where these guys are drafted, use our hindsight, and say uh, these are the picks that the Browns could have had at this position. And it, it kind of, it kind of always is a bummer to think about how bad the Browns have been at this for so long, and uh, and players that were there available to to be had, and they just, they just never. Never pulled the trigger on any of these guys that have have had great careers for a long time. We're coming up on some drafts that are going to be really fun. We're going to have Stephen Thomas on today, and we'll post it tomorrow for the 2004 class, which is full of a lot of interesting decisions and a lot of interesting quarterback prospects, to say the least. And then um, we have uh, 2005, which will hopefully get Brent Sobleski to help us with the 2005 redraft. These are fun um, in in a depressing sort of way. So I hope you guys are enjoying Looking at who the Browns could have had, thinking about how the last two decades of football in Cleveland could have went differently. These, these first five have been very depressing <laughs> about players that were on the board that they passed. Especially Ed Reed yesterday uh, was especially depressing when um, the 2002 redraft, when you looked at them taking him um, you know, it could have had him over. William Green, the running back, and then had Clinton Portis in the next round. So all of these are available. Go back and listen if you want some names that are blasts from the past. It's always fun. So hope you guys are enjoying these as we we head into training camp. Make sure you guys join us at the OBR if you have not done so. And please, I urge you, I beg you, review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and are listening to this. We always appreciate you joining us. And until tomorrow with the 2004 Redraft, we'll catch you then. And go Browns.